Happy Father's Day, everyone. How you doing? Everybody good? I'm so excited. You know, for Mother's Day, we give a little gift on the way out. And this, week, this year, we gave Dove Bars. It's kind of sweet. This year, for Father's Day, jerky. Uh, just so you know. So on the way out, you get jerky. And uh, no reflection on who you are as a person. I just want you to know that. But, but jerky this, this, uh, this year. So on the way out, be sure... And, and get jerky. As a dad, we have these responsibilities, and I think uh, a couple of them are to protect and provide. And I read a little cute story this week um, about a dad who was about to walk his daughter down the aisle. And I had that experience this, like, this last October, and I kind of a little bit feel this. But this young lady named Cammie Johnson writes this, My father was worried my fiancé and I were rushing into marriage since we had only known each other for, for seven months. On the big day, as I waited to walk down the aisle with my father at the back of the church uh, to commence the ceremony, I leaned over and whispered to him, Daddy, I can't move. That's okay, honey, he, he said, revealing his doubts. We don't have to do this. We can turn around and walk out right now, right out that door. And she said, No, Dad, you're standing on my train. I can't move. Okay, so there's this idea that we, we as dads have... Um, and by the way, today we're talking about criticism. It's not, the idea is that, hey, let's be critical of dads. Because I think dads are, there's a lot of criticism towards fathers. But we as fathers have this unbelievable responsibility. And, and um, it's not just a responsibility, but we also have this kind of power that sometimes I don't think we understand. I was telling the story of the first service. I was about 15 years old, maybe, maybe younger than that, but I wasn't very old. And I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan because that's America's team. And I know some of you losers pull for other people, but I'm a Cowboys fan. And um, uh, even as a little kid, you know, it was Roger Staubach and all that. And so the Cowboys' arch rival is the Redskins. And it was Monday Night Football, and the Cowboys were playing the Redskins. And, um, and I was watching the game. And my dad, now my dad had gotten up early, had worked all day, and had gone uh, into the garage to work on the car. So it's not as if Dad had been loafing all day. He, it was a Monday. So he had worked, come home, and he was working, and Monday Night Football comes on at 9 back then. So it was late, and, and Dad was out there. And I remember him coming at, into the house and asking me how I could watch the game while he was out there working. And it, uh, like I say, oh, it, I was 15. That's a long time ago. I still remember those words. It's the way he said them. They, it had this this certain weight to it, and I, I adjusted my, my course, and I, you know, came in and uh, came out and helped him, and, but I didn't like it, I, I didn't want to, but that's the power of a father's words, and I look back on my life, and I think to myself, oh my word, I've used my words in a way I wish I hadn't toward my daughters, I, I can, I don't, I'm not going to give you any examples because I'm ashamed of them, but I have them, and dads a lot of times are criticized, and maybe we're criticized rightfully so. And we live in a world that's hypercritical. There's a new thing, by the way, Happy Father's Day. Uh, there's a new thing called hot takes. Hot takes. And, and, and it made it into Webster's Dictionary in 2018. A hot take is basically some event happens, and then there are talking heads who comment on it, and nearly every time it's critical. And, it, and if you're first out, then you, you know, people click on your... It, it's all about getting clicks, uh, if it's on uh, uh, Twitter or YouTube or, or whatever it is. It's all about how many people will click what I had to say. And, and I just, off the top of my head, I, I 
there were about four or five this week that I remember. Um, there was a criticism of the U.S. women's uh, national soccer team for scoring too many goals. They scored too many goals against the Taiwanese, and that was a hot take. And then uh, Kevin uh, Durant played uh, uh, for the uh, Golden State Warriors and hurt his um, Achilles, and, and there was a hot take on, hey, he shouldn't have been playing, that's the Warriors' fault. And then there was a hot take on uh, Melania Trump wore sunglasses during the D-Day ceremony, and that was rude, and there was a hot take on that. And there's hot takes on everything. It's just Everybody wants you to, and then Game of Thrones evidently was not happy, you know, people weren't happy with that. That's like, I don't know, I don't watch that. But, but uh, th- there are movie critics, there are music critics, there are uh, literary critics, there are sports critics, there's critics. We live in a world of criticism. And there's this notion that maybe we shouldn't live like that. At least I have that notion, and the Bible kind of teaches that notion. And there's this idea that as you get older, you get wiser. I hope that's true. And we see that with grandparents. How many of you, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but let's just think about it out loud. How many of us look at our parents dealing with our kids and we say to ourselves, well, where was that when I was a kid? Because they don't treat my, my kids like, my dad didn't, didn't treat my daughters like he treated me. And it's like, well, dad, you weren't nearly that nice with me. What's happened? Well, he's gotten older. He'd gotten wiser, he'd learned some things, not everything is worth fighting about and all that stuff. And I had a grandmother, she was older and wiser, and she said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Grandma said it right there. I'm not sure it was original with her, maybe other grandmothers have said it too. But if you haven't noticed, there aren't many people listening to grandma anymore. Because we live in a hypercritical world. And there's a reason. Look at this. Criticism is a heart problem. And let me show you this verse. This is Jesus speaking. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And so if you watch a Disney movie for about six seconds, they're going to say, follow your heart. The problem is sometimes our hearts aren't good. Don't follow your heart if your heart is evil. Don't say the things that you think about saying if you have malice in your heart. See, the big idea is this. We live in a critical society. Don't join in. We live in a world where everybody seems to be critical. We don't have to be critical like that. And so we're going to talk about it today. How can we get past being critical? So let me show you a couple of verses. For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another... Watch out. And that word talks about, have you ever watched like the Discovery Channel and there's an innocent little bunny or something, little bunnies hopping around doing bunny things. Aren't bunnies cute? They're just so cute. And then like this wolf, this, have you ever seen them stalk? They're, they're awesome. The wolf is stalking, little bunny, little bunny's chill, you know. Bunny's chilling, bunny's doing bunny things, watching bunny TV, uh, you know, uh, watching bunny Game of Thrones, uh, whatever. Uh, and bunny just chilling. And the wolf, wolf's serious, man. Wolf is, he's sneaking up and they're quiet. And I can hardly do this because my knees hurt. Uh, they're quiet, right? And they're, they're kind of... And then all of a sudden, they pounce, right? And what happens to little bunny? Little bunny ain't little bunny no more. I mean, it's kind of one of those things, right? And that's the word here. Watch out. Why are you always devouring and biting each other? Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature desires. There's a real difference between constructive criticism 
and destructive criticism. After every sermon that my wife listens to, in fact, I'll get a, I'll get a, a, a briefing today. Miriam was in the first service. And I will ask her, how did it go today? And here's what I know about Miriam. It could be the worst sermon ever preached, much like today. Uh, it could be just normal. It could be like today. It could be horrible. And I would say, Miriam, tell me how I did today. And she would say something like this. Even if it's bad, she, she would say, if it's bad, she would say something like, well, it's not the best you've ever done, but at least it's not as bad as you were when you were 25. So uh, it could be worse. You know, it could be worse. And she'll say something encouraging to me because she speaks the truth in love. So many times I've been to Father's Day sermons where it's just like, fathers, you stink. You ought to be better. And listen, when it comes to criticism, yes, we should be better than this, but not just fathers. We all should be better. Because our words have this weight to them. Look at what it says in Proverbs. Your words are so powerful they will kill or they will give life. Back in November, this is Bruce Springsteen. Many of you know who that is. He's a singer. Back in November, he did an article. He did an interview with Esquire magazine. And he talked about his dad. His dad's name is Doug. And how Doug sort of shaped his early childhood and not for the good. Evidently, Springsteen's dad was... A hard-drinking, hard-working, kind of blue-collar, from-job-to-job kind of guy. And every day after work, he would sit at the kitchen table. And this is what he writes about it. It was the silent, dormant volcano of an old man's nightly kitchen vigil with silence and menace. My mother was kind and compassionate and very considerate of others' feelings. My father looked at all those things as weaknesses. He was very dismissive of who I was. And that sends you off on a lifelong quest to sort through all that. Our words have this amazing power, especially as dads. Especially as dads. And you might not have asked for that power, but you have it. And so we have to watch our words as fathers. But as everyone, every, we all have to. The good news is, we don't have to adopt the critical spirit. Do everything without complaining or arguing, it says, so that no one can criticize you. Because here's what happens. When I'm critical, people are critical of me. I reap what I sow. That's in the Bible. It's in the Bible a lot. If I'm critical, people will be critical of me. Do everything without complaining and arguing and criticizing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And if we needed to change the end just for today, I believe we could easily say... Live innocent, clean lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of criticism. Because we live in a world full of criticism. It, it, is, it is everywhere. Uh, re, listen to this little poem. I know that being critical is just in my genes. I can't seem to stop it, and here's what it means. I see millions of things with which I'm annoyed, so much so my life just can't be enjoyed. During cold and flu season, I just want to leave because people around me won't sneeze in their sleeve. And jammy-wearing Walmarters, that's funny, um, makes me so sad. Who would leave the house like that unless they've gone mad? When it comes to school, one thing I need to know, who decides to close the school before there's even snow? The people who aren't passing yet stay in the left lane are on the verge of driving me completely insane. I know that it's no help, but I do like to complain. I'm not sure I'll ever learn to abstain. Let's talk about why we do it. Number one, 
The reason we complain is because of pride. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. We talked about this verse last week. This is like one of the Life 101 lessons that we really need to understand. If we're critical, it's because what we're saying is, I wouldn't do it that way, or I'm better than you, or if I were in your shoes, I would. Um, It's always interesting to me, and I don't care who the president is, because this applies to whoever you're for or against. Whoever's president, there's always about a billion people saying, I wouldn't do it that way. And I'm thinking, I always think to myself when I see critics, whoever, if it was a critic of Obama or a critic of Trump or whoever, Bush or Clinton, whoever it was. I've been around a long time. I've lived through a lot of presidents. I always wonder to myself, you all don't even know what all they're dealing with as president. I mean, they've got a lot of stuff going on as president. It's not like that one little issue that you care about is all he has to deal with because that person has to deal with lots of different issues. So we get all critical about it. It's like you... You don't even know all that there is to know. And one of the greatest pride before destruction stories I've ever heard is about this guy. His name's Captain uh, James Cook. He was a European, and he sailed to the Hawaiian Islands, first white guy there. And they were amazed that somebody of a different color would show up, and so they thought Captain Cook was a a god. I mean, they'd never seen a white guy, and... And this guy, he came from some faraway place, and they just assumed he came on this big boat. He must be God. And so they treated him like God, and, and they, they gave him gifts, and they gave him a great place to live. And, and Cook did nothing to dissuade this attention. <laughs> you have to you know, imagine, gosh, if somebody treated me like that, I might like it. But then he decided he's going to sail home, tell everybody what he'd seen and what he'd found. And so he, he heads out on his ship toward home. The problem is there was a storm that came up and he had to turn around and go back to the islands. Well, the islanders thought to themselves, no God would ever be turned back by a storm. I mean, a storm, if you're God, you don't care about storms. And so Captain Cook came back and they killed him because now they knew he was just acting like he was a God. Pride before destruction. The Bible talks a lot about, hey, you have to kind of self-assess. You've got to kind of get in touch with yourself. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And look at this one. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. You ever heard the expression beer muscles? Anybody ever heard that? That's if somebody goes to a bar and they had too many to drink, and all of a sudden they sort of think of themselves more highly than they ought. They kind of think they can take on somebody that maybe they can't take on. They, they sort of get the idea that they're bigger and badder than they really are. I think that's what it's talking about in this verse. Don't think of yourself with beer muscles more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. Sort of consider really where you are. So if criticism is the flower, the root is pride. The second thing is this. Christ followers can catch it. Look at what it says. But you, why do you criticize your brother? It's like Christians. Yo, whoa. This isn't us. Why would you criticize your brother? Why do you look down on your brother? For we're all, we all stand before the judgment seat of God. Y'all know what this is? What is it? A mosquito. That's right. State bird, yeah, of Michigan. <laughs> 
I lived in Michigan for eight years. Um, mosquitoes are horrible there uh, in the summer. I mean, in the winter, they're, they're not, obviously, because uh, uh, they can't get through the snow. But uh, in the summer, really bad. They're thick. Now, we didn't care much about them in Michigan, but when we lived in New Mexico, there was sort of the West Nile virus stuff going on a little bit. And we, we knew about it, and we sort of took pre- precautions, but nobody stayed in because of mosquitoes. I mean, there's like a one in a billion chance you're going to get West Nile virus. And so we didn't really let it bother us too much. We maybe put on some DEET or something, but we didn't care that much about it. However, a few years ago, I traveled to Tanzania in Africa. And they worry about mosquitoes not because of West Nile virus, because of malaria. And malaria is, is bad. And if you get malaria, it's, it's really bad. In fact, some seven, eight hundred thousand people a year die from malaria, and countless others are sickened by it. It was the only time I've ever slept in a bed with a mosquito net because they, they really took seriously the idea that you could get infected. All right, so let me paint a kind of a word picture for you. There are mosquitoes of criticism everywhere. We live in a world where, especially our society, super critical. People are critical of everything. You, you, you see it, you hear it, it's just every place. In fact, Elise and I went to, to uh, have lunch the other day at a restaurant. I'm not going to give the name away, but it rhymes with McDonald's. So uh, you might be able to figure it out. I don't know. So we go there, and we're, we're, there, we're in line to order, and behind the counter, they are really getting after it. Like, not nice to each other. Where's the quarter pounder? Well, you know, you didn't tell me I needed a quarter. Well, yeah, I did. It was like, oh, all right. So, Elise and I are just kind of standing there, and I, the only thing I'm thinking is, well, I hope they don't spit in my food. You know, it's like, I hope they're just going to be mad and they're going to spit on everything. Uh, so, I'm just, I'm a little worried about it all. And, then, and, and it was like, my word, there's, we live in this critical world. You can't hardly, I can't get on Twitter. I can't look at, Television is like, oh my word, we live in this critical, critical world. And, and just like mosquitoes, we have to worry, we have to not worry, we, we have to be aware that in a world that's super critical, it's easy for us to just join in. And so you're in the break room and somebody's critical of their boss and you just join in. Or if we're not careful, we start to think... Hey, you know, my spouse isn't everything they ought to be. Or my boss isn't everything he ought to be. Or we go to church and that's not everything we ought to be. Oh, my word. Church, I love our church, by the way. I love it because there, there are very little criticism. I, I don't hardly get anything. But I've been in churches. I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. This is true. I tell you this is true. I lie a lot, but not today. This is true. <laughs> I tell you this is true. One Sunday morning, my very first church, Bergen, Kentucky. By the way, a few weeks ago, we went back there. It was great. Um, it was great to not be there all the time. But anyway, um, this particular Sunday, gospel truth. I'm standing um, in the back before the service, and a lady came up to me, and she said, it is freezing in there. It is freezing. It's like, okay. And then two minutes later, two minutes later, I had a lady come in, and she said, it is burning up in there. Like, so I went over to the thermostat and I just looked at it and kind of, you know, acted like I was doing something. How, what do you do with that? What do you do when everybody's critical? And, and 
it just, there was a lady too hot, too cold. There was one that was just right, like Goldilocks is great. But anyway, uh, it was... It was one of those days where it's like, I don't know how to make everybody happy because here's the truth, you cannot make everybody happy. And that was a long time ago. It's not gotten better. You, you all know this old story, but I'm going to tell you anyway, about the guy who was on a deserted island and they, they rescued him. He's the only guy there, you know, and, and he's got three huts. And the rescuer says, what are the huts? And he said, well, that's where I live and that's where I go to church. And so, well, where's that? What's that hut? That third hut? He goes, that's where I used to go to church. But, you know, uh, things got bad there, so this place. And here's what the real problem is if we're uber critical of, of church, is our kids hear that, you know? And, and then they start to think bad things about the church, and everybody's a hypocrite and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm going to tell you the truth, and, and I don't say this... It, this is a little self-serving. I don't mean it to be. Don't criticize your church in front of your kids or your pastor. I mean, if you have something, you can come to me. I, I'm happy to chat with you. Um, and I'm thankful that that's not our church, but I've been to churches like that. And this critical spirit that sort of permeates our culture, if we're not careful, will permeate us. We'll get infected. We have to watch. We have to guard ourselves against that. The third thing is this. And this is, everything here we're talking about is important. This may be the most important thing. A critical spirit interferes with our relationship with God. It kind of separates us. Look at this text. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, bringing, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I made that big and bold. We're going to talk about that word. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's the word that was commonly used, the word grieved there, was commonly used for a husband or a wife who found out their, their spouse was cheating on them. They were grieved. It's the grief of betrayal. It's the grief of disappointment. It's the grief of a broken heart. And when we're critical and when we're have unwholesome talk that comes from our mouths. This tells us that the Holy Spirit has that kind of relationship with us, that He desperately loves us, that God loves us. And, and when we're critical, it hurts his, it hurts his soul, it hurts his spirit, but it also tells us that He loves the other person that we're criticizing too. So I, the illustration, the word means... Uh, a spouse hearing about, a husband and wife hearing about the spouse being unfaithful. But let me, let me tell you what I think is a better illustration. I've got four daughters who I, who I love. I love them all. If I were to hear one of my girls talk about one of my other daughters, not something like, hey, I don't like her dress. I'm talking about something important. If they were to be critical of her character, it would break me. Because I love them both. If my girl, one of my girls was critical of her sister, I would be ruined. And that's what, that's what this word is talking about. It's like, God loves all of us. Especially in the family, those of us in the family. More critical of one another in the family. He's grieved. 
It's a powerful word. Sort of a, it's a word that, it just shows us the depth of love that God has for us. And it reminds us that everybody else might be doing it. What did Mama used to say? Everybody else is doing it. That doesn't mean you got to do it. And everybody else is critical. That doesn't mean you have to be critical. I want to show you a verse, and then we're going to talk about the cure of a critical spirit. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Salt had these properties. We're going to talk about them in a second. But first, the cure for a critical spirit is you give grace instead of grief. One of the properties of salt is it preserves. And you can preserve relationships by giving grace instead of grief. And it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ and God forgave you. The golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This rule is do unto others as it's already been done to you. As it's been done to you. I mean, God has already forgiven you. God has already been patient with you. God continues to forgive you. So can't you at least be gracious with somebody else? Give grace instead of grief. I had a little lady in my church in in Clovis, super sweet. And one time she came up to me and she said, When people don't treat me right, you want to know what I do? It's like, well, yeah, now I do. Uh, It's interesting. And she said, I think to myself, I bet their feet hurt. Like, what? How does that make any sense? She said, you know, I've had a job where I've had to stand, and when my feet hurt, I'm a little cranky. And maybe they've been standing all day, and their feet hurt. And so I just think that, and she said, I'll say to them, do your feet hurt? (laughs) And she said, that might not be the problem, but they always engage in a conversation after that. It's like, okay, so maybe the answer for us is we think through, Maybe their feet hurt. Maybe there's something going on that we don't know. And instead of grief, I'm going to give you grace. And we have opportunity all the time for this. You'll go and somebody won't. They're not good at their job or they're not paying attention at their job. And you want to say something, but you're not going to because you're going to be a person who gives grace instead of grief. The second thing is we need to become more grateful. Let the peace, it says, of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ. And when I think of peace, I think of not in a hurry. Because when I'm hurried, that's when I'm critical. I am really critical when I'm hurried. I'll give you the perfect example. When you're, when you're late, you're late to work. All right, let's say your work starts at 8, your alarm goes off at 7, and you hit the little button 16 times. Okay, so now you're you wake up, you got bedhead, it's 7.50, and it takes 10 minutes to get to work. So what do you do? You throw some water in your hair. Uh, this is a guy thing. I don't know what you ladies do. You probably have to do more than this. Uh, look, look, this is why we do this. Uh, you know how long this hair do takes? It doesn't take. Uh, you know, it's like no time. Uh, so we, we put some water on our head. We try to get the sleep out of our eyes. We run to the car, but by now... It's 7.52, and I've got to get there by 8. I've got to punch in by 8 o'clock. And now I'm hurried, and I'm driving, 
And what happens when you're driving and you're hurried? Are you, are you grateful? Are you gracious? Are you patient when you're driving and you're hurried? Can anybody in here say they're going to be gracious and grateful when they're hurried? No. And everybody driving around you is an idiot. Because you're late. Now, is it the little lady in front of me's fault that I'm late? Well, it's not her fault, but she needs to get out of my way. Uh, you know, it's, it's that, right? And, and this is, when I'm hurried, I, I'm critical. If, I'm, if I go in the store for something quick and the checkout person, bless her heart, um, they're not on their game, right? They're not on their game that day, and they're, they're really taking a lot of time. And, and, and you're just you're critical because it's like, oh, they're taking forever because we're hurried. And when we're hurried, we're not patient, and we're not going to be grateful. And there's something about gratefulness that you need to understand. It has the opposite effect. Oh, wait a minute. Bless those. That's good. Uh, gra- gratitude, that verse was a grid verse, but we don't care. Uh, gratitude has the opposite effect on your health than stress. Listen to this. This is amazing. And really, seriously, it's amazing. University of California, San Diego School of Medicine found that people who are more grateful have less heart inflammation, healthier heart rhythms, less depression, less fatigue, sleep better. Also, grateful people have a boosted immune system. Uh, and have more disease-fighting cells. Oh, is there more, Pastor? Yes, there is. In another study, gratitude, if people who keep a gratitude journal had reduced dietary fat intake as much as 25%, stress hormones are 23% lower, and uh, having a, gratitude, a daily gratitude practice could actually reduce the effects of aging on the brain. You're younger, you're thinner, all you got to do is be grateful. That's all you got to do. Younger, thinner, your heart's better. It is amazing to me that God has wired us, because when we're under that constant stress and, and we're, we're not at peace, it's not good for our health. So, I started to practice about two months ago. Uh, every night when I go to bed, I, I lay down my head and I think to myself, in fact, I pray, God, here are five things I'm grateful for for today. Five things today, and I'll, I'll just kind of, I'm praying them to the Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for, you know, yesterday I got these sweet cards from my daughters. Oh, I mean, the gifts are nice, and, I'm, and you know, gifts are, gifts are gifts, but when they say words to you, we're talking about the power of words, when, when your kids tell you that they appreciate you, and oh, my word, oh, it's like manna from heaven. And last night it was easy to think of five because I had gotten four notes from four daughters. And, and it's easy. And it helps. It helps us. I mean, gratitude should be part of who we are. And so let me encourage you. If you don't do this, just do it for a while. Do it for a week. Hey, when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to think of five things that I can be grateful for. And I'm going to thank God for them. Lord, I'm thankful for this and this and this. Third thing is, not only do we need to give grace instead of grief, and not only do we need to, um, uh, what's the other one? Um, grace instead of grief, what was the other one I just said? Gratitude, you need to be more grateful. Third, we've got to become an encourager. Let's go back to this verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, bringing, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me go back to Springsteen just for a second. 
He's about to have his first child. His dad shows up at his door. He knocks on the door. Bruce Springsteen lets his dad in. And his dad said this to him, interestingly enough. They go to the kitchen. They sit at the kitchen table. It's ironic. And he says, Doug says to his son Bruce, you've always been good to us, and I wasn't very good to you. It's not much of an apology, but at least it gets there. And this is what Bruce Springsteen writes about that. You've always been good to us, and I haven't always been good to you. It was the greatest moment in my life with my dad. It was the greatest moment in my life with my dad. We never know what an encouraging word might do for something, for somebody. I was talking about being at the at the restaurant the other day and and they were all fighting behind the counter. And this one frazzled little lady comes out and she was supposed to take some food to the drive-through <laughs> people <laughs> drive-through people that are having to wait. Uh, you know, that's uh, kind of the antithesis of drive-through. And um, and those people are all mad cuz they've had to wait. And this little this little lady, I mean, she she was old, and I could tell she was frustrated. And she came out, and she was looking, and I said, you know, I think, I think she said, where's that? And it's like, that lady, I think she went to her car, and she's, she's going to come back in. And I just wanted to be an encourager to her. It's like, I don't care what they say back there. I'm going to be nice to you. There are people you can be nice to, the people you can encourage and just as I've challenged you to think of five things every day to be thankful for, to be grateful for, find somebody today to encourage. Encourage somebody today. I mean, before you leave, you can do it, you can do it before you even leave the building. Find somebody to encourage. Because everybody needs it. And it's becoming less and less popular. We live in a world that's really critical. And so if you're an encouraging person, if you don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, if you're a person who builds others up according to their needs, then you will shine and you will stand out because you're going to be so much different than everybody else because they're used to getting criticized all over the place. And like that little lady at McDonald's, she just needed somebody to encourage her. And she walked out to that car and she walked back by me and she patted me on the shoulder and she said, thank you. All I said was, she's going to be right back. Here's just how I said it. You just never know what an encouraging word is going to be for somebody. Let me do one more. If you can't be gracious and grateful and encouraging, be quiet. Can't say something nice? What did mama say? What did grandma say? Can't say something nice? Don't say anything at all. Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word they speak. Okay, so don't speak it. The Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to what? Speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. You know what a hot take is? Quick to listen, quick to speak. So don't do that. We live in a critical world. Don't be critical. We live in a critical world. Be an encourager. We live in a critical world. Be grateful. 
be gracious. We live in a critical world, but you don't have to be that way. In fact, not only do you not have to be, you're not supposed to be. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's not who we are. That's not our DNA. That's not how we behave. I love the Bible because it tells us what to do. Father, I thank you for this day and and the good words that you give us through your word. And Lord, as we notice all the criticism around us, I pray that you would help us to be people who aren't critical. Help us to love people well. Help us to encourage. Help us to give grace. Help us, Lord, to be people who notice all the good things you're doing. And if we're tired, and when we feel like complaining, and if we just can't be gracious and grateful and encouraging, help us to be quiet. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.